in today's world, the lines between stories and content get blurrier and blurrier because we have so much content out there in the world, right? But content does not equal story. And that's really important for us as travel storytellers, as travel photographers and writers who want to work with different publications. It's really important for us to know the difference. Welcome to the Genius Women Podcast. I'm your host, Yulia Denisuk, an award-winning travel photographer and writer with work in some incredible publications like National Geographic, Farm Magazine, and more. And this year, you'll see my name in places like Condé Nast Traveler. I'm on a mission to help other women who want to grow their travel storytelling careers go after their dreams while feeling supported, worthy, and bold. If you're ready to ditch your fear and doubt to the side, step into your brilliance and take action on your dreams, you're in the right place. Let's go. Before we get to today's episode, do you have a question you'd like me to answer about travel journalism, creativity, working with our fears, or any other topic that's on your mind as you're listening to our show? All throughout this season, you can ask me a question and I'll answer it in a dedicated episode at the end of the season. Just visit geniuswomen.com question to submit yours. And remember that women is spelled as W-O-M-X-N. That's geniuswomen.com question. I look forward to hearing from you. Okay, let's dive in. Welcome, friends. I am really excited to have this conversation with you today. How do we create compelling stories? This is a question that I often hear from people in our community. And today, I would like to dedicate a whole episode to it. So crafting compelling stories, how do we do it? And how do we get better at our craft? How do we make sure that when we go on trips, that we gather enough materials for the stories that we can then pitch to different publications? How do we come up with story ideas in the first place? And what makes a good, compelling story? These are all the questions and the topics that I would like to get into in today's conversation. So first of all, what I would like to discuss with you is this idea of having a story versus having some content. And that is such a, such a widespread question or a widespread piece of confusion, I feel like, that exists from many content creators out there. So I would like to spend a little bit of time just covering the differences between having a story versus having some content. So oftentimes people will reach out to me on Instagram and ask me, Yulia, I just returned from this incredible trip to Germany. I have so many photos. Where can I publish them? Or oftentimes I often hear from editors of magazines that people reach out to them and say, hey, I'm going on a trip to France in a couple of weeks. Would you like me to cover anything there? So both of those examples are examples of ideas of content, not story. 
When we go on a trip and we capture a lot of photos, or if you're a writer, for example, and you didn't capture any photos, but you have perhaps written some general observations about the destinations that, that, that you just went to, all of that is not a story in and of itself. All of that is content. And in today's world, the lines between stories and content get blurrier and blurrier because we have so much content out there in the world, right? We all know this. We share a lot of content. We see a lot of content everywhere. But content does not equal story. And that's really important for us as travel storytellers, as travel photographers and writers who want to work with different publications, it's really important for us to know the difference. Because when we approach publications with content, almost all of the time, that pitch, that approach with the content that you have is going to be rejected. Because publications, by and large, are not looking for content. They are looking for stories. And so again, the difference between story and content is that a story has an angle. A story has a point of view. A story is an idea, right? It's an idea that you can communicate in one sentence. Whereas content, it's really just a compilation of whether it's photos or whether it's your notes on something, but it usually doesn't have a point of view and doesn't have an angle and doesn't have even a summary, let's say, that you could easily summarize and describe in one sentence. And probably the most important thing for us to know is that when we go somewhere on a trip, let's say we go somewhere really remote, let's say we go to Atacama Desert in Chile. The fact that you're going to this desert in Chile, in and of itself, it's not a story. In and of itself, it's not a story. And this is, this is the thing that I see again and again when people are approaching publications and they're saying, hey, I just returned from a trip to the desert in Chile. Would you like, to, would you like me to write about it? And there is really no story in that pitch or in that offer to a publication. There is no story in there. What is the actual story? And I think that what would be helpful for us to understand again, in this conversation about story versus content, is if we start looking at it through the lens of travel blogging or travel content creation and travel journalism. This is another conversation that's happening a lot lately. And a lot of people, particularly on Instagram, on YouTube, on TikTok, are travel content creators, right? They go to different destinations, they stay at hotels, they, they have these great experiences, and then they share all of that with their followers and with their community. Now, the focus in travel blogging and travel content creation is on the creator themselves. That's why we follow travel bloggers and travel content creators. We want to know their own personal experiences with this particular destination or this particular hotel. And we trust them and we want to know their personal opinion about this. Travel journalism, almost all of the time, is different from travel blogging and travel content creation because in travel journalism, the focus is not on the journalist. The journalist is there to uncover a story, to highlight, to report on a story. The journalist almost 
always is not the story itself. So that maybe is helpful for us to think about the difference between content, travel content, and travel stories. Now, this is where the line can get a little bit blurry, right? Because there is a lot of travel content creators out there who are also working with publications. And there's a lot of journalists out there who are also doing content creation for their own Instagram or TikTok as a separate uh, piece to their travel journalism work. But in general, travel journalism and creating stories for publications is almost always not going to be about the travel journalist. Unless we're doing some personal essays, right, or unless it's a narrative about a transformative trip that we took, then we're going to talk about the trip and our experience there. But more often than not, we're going to be looking for stories that are happening outside of our immediate purview that are not about us stories about uh, perhaps different trends that are happening in the destination that we're interested in, stories about different characters that are doing some unique, new, or different things, stories about foods, stories about different arts and, and cultural events that are happening, that, that sort of thing. So I hope that this distinction is helpful to you particularly when you're uh, planning on reaching out to publications with ideas to pitch them and to create stories about, that you think about this idea of story versus content. Do I have a story in my pitch that I'm, uh, that I'm approaching this publication with, or do I have content? And if I have content, how can I turn it into a story? This is really, really important. The other thing uh, that is helpful for us when we think about how we can start com creating compelling stories is that we need to have a really clear idea of what our niche in our work is. What is your niche? What interests you? What kind of stories would you like to, to tell? And that knowing your niche is not something that you perhaps develop right away, right? This is something that comes with time. With more stories that you do and with more work that you create, you can start honing into your niche simply by observing what's interesting to you, right? What sparks your curiosities? Which of your stories and which of your work brought you the most joy? And what would you like to do more of? If you're starting out, don't get discouraged if you don't necessarily know your niche right away. However, there is a way to hone in on your niche. There are certain, certain exercises and certain things that you can do. And we actually cover that in the travel media masterclass that I, that I teach. But don't get discouraged if you don't know this right away, because also another way to, to figure out what your niche might be is through actually doing the work and observing what brings you joy and what would you like to do more of. Compelling stories, in my opinion, are compelling because this is something that a creator of that story, a writer, let's say, or a journalist or a photographer, has spent uh, a good amount of research on and has uh, a really unique point of view and a passion for the subject that he or she is covering. That really shows in the final work when the story is well-researched, when the story has a point of view, and when the story shows passion. Because the way 
that we creators show passion is by going deep into a subject and by uncovering different aspects and different facets of that subject. So when you know what your niche is, that also helps you to create compelling stories. And I'll just give you an example from my own experience. When I started now four or five years ago, I didn't quite have a niche. I had an idea that I I wanted to do uh, more stories about different cultures because that's what interested me. I was fascinated by different cultures of the world out there and how, you know, how people live and different aspects of that. But I didn't quite have a niche. And over time, what I realized is that the stories that brought me the most joy were stories where I uncovered certain ancient traditions of the world and where I found stories where new generations were working to preserve or to revive those ancient traditions. And those kinds of stories are uh, exciting for me. I love to do them. And that's how I know what my strong point is and my uh, niche is and my, my compelling proposition, let's say. And by the way, when you know your niche, it also becomes so much easier for you to know if there is a fit between you and all the different partners that you will be working with in uh, travel media industry. If you know your niche, you can know almost right away if what you're working on will be a fit with the publication that you're trying to pitch. For example, let's say that you are a great foodie and you love to uh, to create stories about different Michelin star uh, dining experiences and chefs and high cuisine and all of that all of that stuff. If you go to the desert of Wadi Rum in Jordan, which is by the way one of my favorite places on earth, most likely knowing that Michelin star restaurants is your niche, most likely you're not going to find a story like that in the desert, right? Of course, you can find another incredible story there about maybe a Bedouin barbecue, which is a great di- dish and, and great meal altogether. But it's not going to be about a Michelin star dining experience. So when you know your niche, it helps you to make all kinds of decisions. It helps you to understand how to approach, which publications to approach, which publications not to waste sort of time and effort on because you know that there is there's not a, not a niche there. And also which types of destinations and tourism boards to start working with or not working with based on the niche that you have. So that's a really useful way for you to start building out your career if you know what your uh, niche in this industry is. Uh, but so back to my back to my example and my experience. So I figured out over time that, again, artisans, stories about different cultural crafts and about new generations preserving old traditions was something that I was really interested in. And I wanted to do more work like that. So when you know that this is something that you're interested in, all of a sudden you start seeing a little signs here and there and everywhere about ideas, story ideas that could fit with your niche. And that's another benefit to having a niche in storytelling, because then 
everything that you come across on your daily basis can be a fodder for inspiration. I always say that inspiration comes from many different places, sometimes the most unexpected places. So when you know when you're, what your niche is and what type of work you would like to do, then following those, those inspiration becomes helpful and becomes easier. So one day I saw a blog post by a dear friend of mine who posted something about uh, the auction at Sotheby's selling a Iznik tile dish for some crazy amount of money. I think it was like 200,000 pounds or something like that. So this one dish from the Ottoman period was sold, sold for a very large sum of money. So that intrigued me. I was curious what, what, the, what was that all about. So I started Googling Iznik tiles. What is that all about? And through that process of learning about Iznik tiles, I recognized those tiles right away. Everybody who's ever been to Turkey and particularly Istanbul will know what I'm talking about. It's, it's those iconic tiles that you can see everywhere on the streets of Istanbul. So I started researching more about that and... I learned that the Iznik tiles came from the town of Iznik in central Turkey, south of Istanbul. And the tiles were created during the Ottoman Empire. And the difference between the Iznik tiles and the tiles from other cultures, from because there's tiles in many different cultures in the world, the difference of the Iznik tiles was that they were so bright and the colors were so lustrous and so shiny and glossy and beautiful. And they were that way because of a specific method of production that the Ottoman craftsmen have used. And for several hundred years, Iznik tiles were really popular. They bloomed in Iznik and they were all over Istanbul. And you can still find them, by the way, in many different mosques in Istanbul, including the Blue Mosque. And as the uh, Ottoman Empire had declined in its influence in, in Turkey and around the region, the secret to the production of the Iznik tiles was gradually lost over time. For many years, people couldn't figure out a way to reproduce those tiles and, and make them in the same sort of lustrous, shiny, beautiful, colorful way. And in fact, a lot of the tiles that we see today on the streets of Istanbul are actually cheap versions of that that are produced by a machine and not produced by hand, which each Iznik tile is actually produced by hand by a craftsman. So all of that information was something that I, well, most of it, I would say, was something that I, that I researched, that I found out through Google. And knowing that this was my niche, so this was something that was absolutely part of my portfolio and something that I would love to uncover further, I also knew which publications would be interested in a story like this. And that, again, comes from experience, right? And from reading different publications, from knowing what kind of stories they publish and starting to develop a general idea of who would be interested in a story like this. So I approached Afar magazine, which I thought would be a good fit for a story like that. And I said, hey, this is a story that I'm interested in pursuing. Here is what I'm uncovering. I'm uncovering that there are 
new generations that are working to bring back the method of producing iznik tiles today. Would this something that would be interesting to you? And Afar magazine said yes. I arranged my trip to Turkey. I reached out to these organizations that are reviving the art of producing Iznik tiles today. I spoke to the people that do this work. I, I shot my uh, photographs. I, I, I did all my notes and my interviews, and I got everything done. And here is what's important here. Here is what I want us to focus on. Just the fact that I found that there are Iznik tiles in Istanbul by itself, it's not really a story, okay? Just by itself, the fact that there is an Iznik tiles, which is a Ottoman era tile that exists and existed in Turkey and in Istanbul, that by itself is not quite a story because the question that you always want to ask yourself is, so what? So what? So there is. So you learn that there is this Iznik tile. So what? And the so what here is that the secret to producing these tiles was nearly lost through the generations. And there are new. There are organizations in Turkey today that have dedicated their lives, actually, and all of their efforts to restoring that secret and to restoring that method of production. And that is where the story lies, right? This is why it's compelling. And so uncovering that story behind it, behind this method of production, behind these organizations that are doing this work now, that's the so what here. And that's the compelling story. Okay, you know, if I just approached the farm magazine and said, hey, I, I was just in Turkey for a week and I have some pictures of the mosque and of the tiles and of Istanbul, would you want me to write about it? What's the so what in here? I think that's the question that you always want to ask yourself when you think about how do you start creating and crafting compelling stories? The key question to ask is, so what? And I want to be clear that I am not absolutely not putting any judgment on travel blogging and travel content creation, right? I do some of that myself a little bit sometimes, and I know this is valid work just like any others. What I'm just trying to communicate here is that there is a very clear well, hopefully clear, Some, sometimes it's blurry, but there is a difference between travel blogging and travel content creation and travel journalism. And again, travel journalism is not about the journalist. When I did the story for Afar magazine, the story isn't about Yulia going to Turkey and uncovering tiles. You will not hear or see my name mentioned in the story, right? Because the story is not about me. I am just the medium. I am uncovering it and I'm communicating it, but the story is not about me. And if I was a travel blogger and travel content creator, then that's what the story would be about. I would be in front of the camera. I would be probably doing a video to put on YouTube where I would pick up the style and I would show you how beautiful it is. And I would perhaps uh, film how I'm speaking to all these uh, people. And perhaps I would film how I'm trying to buy one of those and negotiate for a good price on one of those tiles. But it's all about my experience, right? It's all about me. And if you can understand that difference, I think it would be it would go a long way for you to understand which ideas would be suitable 
for travel magazines because again by and large travel magazines don't publish stories about travel bloggers going somewhere and that's a mistake that I often see people make that they reach out to magazines and say hey I have photos from this trip to Germany would you like me to publish them or I'm going on a trip to I don't know Russia next week would you like me to do a story there right they want you to approach them with a story already that answers the so what. So, so you're going to Russia. So what? What is the so what in here? That's really important. And the other uh, thing that I would say is really important when you think about crafting compelling stories, and again, particularly for travel journalism and for approaching to publications, is that... When you are on the ground and you're capturing content and you're doing your research, try and capture as much information as possible, just as much as possible, because you you will never know what detail or what piece of information will be the most useful to you and that will just make the story that much more beautiful and that, that much more compelling when you're on the ground. And the way I do this practically nowadays is that I do take notes, right? When I'm researching, when I'm, uh, let's say, interviewing organizations in Turkey that are working on Iznik tiles, I do take notes, but I also record. I put a recording on because it's just so much easier to capture a lot more information that way when I'm there on the ground. And, you know, of course, as a photographer and writer, it becomes quite difficult to try to do both and do both well. But it is a skill that you are absolutely able to develop. And I have gotten much better in doing both, in, in, in making sure that I have enough great quality photo- photographs to go with this piece, but also that I have all the, all the actual data and actual notes and actual research captured to be able to communicate it in the story later. So I hope this uh, makes it a little bit easier to start thinking about how do we craft compelling stories and what do stories, what elements stories need to have in order for them to be compelling. And just to summarize, we are talking about approaching publications with stories versus approaching them with content. And every time you have a pitch or you're thinking about approaching a publication, think about that. Do you have a story or do you have some content? And if you have a story, does your story answer this question? So what? Is this story about you going somewhere on a trip? And if so, that by itself is really not a story that a magazine would be necessarily interested in. Or is it about something that's happening in the destination that you would like to pursue further? And the way for you to uh, start crafting those compelling stories is by digging deeper into your own niche and digging deeper into things that interest you. Because at the end of the day, that's how we create work that we're absolutely proud of, right? It's when we go deep. Otherwise, why are we doing this work uh, in the first place? It's about uncovering something that interests us, something that we're passionate about, and that passion that curiosity is going to show up in your work. And finally, what I would like to say is that please, please don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. None of us, absolutely none of us are good at creating compelling stories or compelling work in any industry in the beginning. That's just the truth at the beginning. And that shouldn't stop you because the only way for us to get better 
And to get to the point where we are able to create absolutely compelling work that we're absolutely proud of, the only way for us to do that is to actually do the work. So you can see how this is this, how it's this catch 22 cycle. If you're letting that fear of not being good enough stop you from doing something, well, you'll never get better because the only way for us to get better is to do the actual work. You know, if you listen to this podcast or if you hear me speak in other places or if you've taken my class or if you're in our membership, The Circle, you know that I always, always, always talk about acting. Why do I talk about acting so much? Well, it's because if we don't act, we don't get better. It's just as simple as that. And all of us, when we start, we're not that good. So don't let any of that stop you. Absolutely. I heard one of my favorite people in the podcasting world. You might know him. His name is Guy Raz. I heard him speak recently and answer this following question. He was asked, uh, how do you ensure that you create good work? And this is what he answered. He said, for the first five years of doing this, and by this, he was referring to the podcast that he has himself. He's a host of How I Built This Podcast, which is a really successful podcast. So he was saying, for the first five years doing this, I was the person shooting from the sidelines, never hitting the basket. And eventually, I got better. So for me, it was so amazing to hear Guy Raz himself acknowledge that for the first five years he actually wasn't that good. He wasn't hitting the basket, so to speak. He wasn't creating work that he was perhaps uh, very proud of. But eventually he got better. And eventually I got better. And eventually you will get better too. The only way for us to do that though is by doing the actual work. So never ever let the fact that you think you might not be that great at the moment stop you from doing the work. So I hope that this was useful to you. Go out there and don't be afraid to start crafting compelling stories that you want to tell and that only you have the mandate to tell because you have the passion, you have the curiosity and you have the drive to pursue those stories. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us today. I hope you found this episode on crafting compelling stories useful. And if so, please consider subscribing to our show so you never miss another episode. If you want to support the show, the best way to do so is to share our content, subscribe to our podcast, follow us on Instagram, and if you feel like it, leave us a podcast review. It helps us grow and spread our message, so that's the best way you can support us. And I'd like to say thank you to our listener, Taylor S., who recently left us a very kind review and had this to say. Yulia has created what is now one of my favorite podcasts. I'm grateful for her heart to empower women to follow their travel journalism dreams. The guests she brings on offer a wide variety of insights and experiences. I always come away feeling energized and like there are others out there with similar ambitions. Thank you so much, Taylor. I really, really, really appreciate your feedback. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week for an interview with an amazing travel writer and storyteller, Brianna Wilson.